uh, read you something. Uh, a recent poll by the New York Times and uh, Siena College finding 59% of voters under 30 rate the economy as poor. So, you know, philosophically and sort of intellectually, you can look at a lot of these numbers and say, this man, this is a, a great economy in so many ways on a relative basis to history and the like. But at the same time, you have poll numbers and others saying that they don't feel it. Yeah, I'm aware of that, and I think it's our job to um, explain to Americans what President Biden has done to improve the economy. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Thanks, Mr. Man. Now look. Here's a house full of bees. You think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I do. like to geek out about production mm-hmm. that's is that the weekend no so, who is that probably one of the best groups there ever was in terms of production the kelly family from germany <laughs> okay second best okay. groups no it was daft punk with pharrell. oh that's right okay. with pharrell i mean yeah yeah but what makes uh i was just listening to that that is such a because you know it has like this it's a super good groove mm-hmm. and um but it's got this kind of like laid back kind of vibe to it and there's pop music like that we we're, we're always kind of dissecting it and yeah. kind of like what what what's creating like that kind of aesthetic that feeling that you're experiencing and i think part of what makes that just like that nice like laid back groove is they have a they have like a real small drum sound it's like a, the the drums are produced like a early 70s like disco it sounds like drum a drum track off like the Bee Gees or something yeah interesting because a lot of that music uh daft punk and like mastercraft and stuff like that they did a lot of stuff like this but it was always like that slamming kind of drum sound and super like kind of real big tones right and that's what kind of makes that uh one of the tracks on the album actually starts off with i think the inventor of one of the synths uh doing a discussion about <laughs> sorry well, anyways, what was that great album <laughs> that voice coming from the other room great album <laughs> That bass tone is just insane. Isn't it? What is this I'm feeling? Yeah, because it's like kind of small, like a muted tone. Yeah, I love that. It's clear though. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just quiet, it's just not imposing. Yeah, yeah. So good. Great song. Yeah. Who's the weekend? 
Is that just another it's pop a, It's band? another band. Oh, okay, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm like friends with the Wikipedia here. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were a Weekend fan. I thought you had turned me on to them once. I don't know who that is. I mean, I know the name. Uh, I probably recognize they got like a hit or something. They have it. Several hits, right? And there's Vampire Weekend, too. That's a different band? That is a different band. Okay. Yeah. It's not really in my wheelhouse. Mm. Although I don't I don't recall hating either of those bands. Yeah. That is a great song. Yeah. All right. So, uh, <clears throat> happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy uh, how's your guys holiday? Black Sunday. The day before Cyber Monday. Oh. Uh, right? Is it? No. You guys aren't doing your shopping? No. No, well, if you want to do I, your shopping, go to LibertyTreeLifestyle.com and buy yourself some merch. I converted the whole family to being Jehovah's Witnesses because uh, I'm broke this time of year. So Nice, dude. Yeah, yeah you only got to keep that up for like a month. Right. Yeah. All right, we're back. <laughs> that experiment failed. We'll try it again next year, though. When's, uh, your, when's your birthday? Okay, we're going to Amish in March, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was hanging out with the missus and... My mom's in town right now. My whole world is like based around her being here. It's mm-hmm. a little bit stressful. So yeah, the time, I don't know. Everything's weird in this time of year anyways. It feels like no one's working. Disappointing lack of stories from your holiday. I got to. Dude, I have been <laughs> a, a ninja. Walking on eggshells. Yes. It's amazing. I'm just deflecting opportunities to get into an argument left and right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it almost feels like she's, um, well, anyways, I don't. She might end up listening to the podcast after this weekend, and I don't want to say anything that might get me in, in more trouble and affect my uh, inheritance any more than it's already been affected. Anyways, I was hanging out with the missus watching um, Real Housewives because mm-hmm. that's what she does when she folds laundry. Okay. It's her guilt, admittedly guilty right. pleasure. Right. And I was telling you a little bit last night about some things do come up in that show that are kind of interesting, like the, uh-huh. the attorney that ripped off all of the victims of the uh, San Bruno gas explosion here in the Bay Area. Yeah. And he got really wealthy by stealing all of the victims' <laughs> settlement money. Stealing other people's shit is a great way to get wealthy really quick. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, so, anyways, she told me, she's like, oh my God, I have a clip for you. So you know how you and I always talk about when you get into an argument with someone, uh, they tend to they do the whack-a-mole thing yeah. where they will avoid giving you any actual details. Right. The, the, the classically happens when you're talking to someone about Trump. Right. You and I not being Trump guys, we often find ourselves just curious, like, what is your problem with the guy? Uh-huh. You know, tell me the things that you, well, he's obviously a racist. Okay, do you have one receipt right. from that? Uh, one example of him being racist. Yeah. And what do they do? They just switch the, the channel. Yeah. Right? Go on to climate change mm-hmm. or something, right? That's the whack-a-mole. Exactly. So uh, this is perfect. You have a habit of losing your in ridiculous circumstances, too. Name them. That what? Name them. Well, name what you em. did was ridiculous. Name them. Uh, not having. Name uh, Well, be quiet. So name let em. me talk, Jesus. Name them. <laughs> I name them. Don't know if you're okay, actually. Name them. Are you okay? <laughs> name them. Stop doing that. You're being incredibly, incredibly. <laughs> 
I, I got started like, watching this show. Oh my god! Exactly. <laughs> Fucking name them. What are the things? Tell me right it's now. It's even better they? that it just comes out of this plastic surgery disaster of a face. <laughs> name them. <laughs> like nothing's moving except her lips. Name them. Name them. Fucking name them. <laughs> no, you got nothing. Um, dude, we, that's got to go on the soundboard. It already is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. All right. So you and I, uh, without further ado, we... Uh, <clears throat> We have a new segment on the show. Mm-hmm. I'm calling this uh, Matt and Kelly Teach liter- uh, Media Literacy. Oh, great. Okay, it's time for Matt and Kelly to teach media literacy to dumb dumbs like me. makes a total of four officers from the riots to die by suicide. Well done. <laughs> That's really good. So, um, a perfect balance of entertainment and making my skin crawl. <laughs> so, Jen Pasaki has a show where she just basically lies for half an hour straight. I don't think she's in that position anymore. <laughs> Which is, an, as you're pointing out, an extension of her yes, previous exactly. job where she sat in front of the White House press corps and just lied professionally. So she's taken that skill, which she was good at. I got it. She was admit. very good. I mean, if you had to pick between her and John Kareen Van Dam, yeah. you'd, you'd take her in a heartbeat, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so here, she, she was really good. I, I always actually admired her. I was like, she's really good at that job. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, as you know, as we talked about before, California recently passed a law uh, mandating uh, media literacy in K through 12 yeah. AB 873. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously they're going to teach media literacy in these government run schools mm-hmm. on how to uh, combat misinformation, disinformation. But what it really is, is like how to better absorb government propaganda. Exactly. Right. So I think it's up to us, it's our public service, mm-hmm. to take some of the stories that are in the media and show people yes. how yes. to read them. All right? I like it. So here is a clip of Jen Psaki talking about Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Now, the very first thing um, that you'll see in this, do you remember back when I was talking about how you can lie in headlines. Right. But you can't really lie in the body of a story. Yeah. You can, but then you have to issue a retraction. Pay pay it off in like paragraph seven. Yeah, exactly. Eventually you have to give like the truth of what's going on. It works because they, um, they tracked, uh, how people consumed media, I think through social media. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was like 85% of people never actually read the art. Would, would they shared something? They didn't actually read the article. They only read the headline. So it works. We could probably make this lesson really short if I just said, if you're watching it on MSNBC, it's not a story, right? This is fucking garbage entertainment. But we're here. It all is. And that's what most people are are taking in. And so here's Jen Psaki um, about to tell us about Donald Trump. 
and uh, I'll read the headlines that she's going to show on the screen. She uses the headlines on the screen almost like they're sources, mm-hmm. you know, but because this is just garbage TV, yeah. they're not actually sources. It's just headlines. And imagine if you put together a show full of headlines, it's just a show full of lies. Yeah, it's entertainment. Right? So go ahead and play that. They've tolerated Trump echoing the language of genocidal dictators, routinely dehumanized. <laughs> So behind her right now is a picture of Donald Trump, and it says, from the Washington Post, Trump calls political enemies vermin, echoing dictators Hitler and Mussolini. The headline could have just as easily read, Trump uses toilet paper when he goes to the bathroom. Just Just like like Hitler and Mussolini. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Carrying on. His political opponents, speaking not just of beating his enemies at the ballot box, but extinguishing them altogether. They've tolerated the dark vision for America that Trump is plotting for a second. So, again, here she has four headlines from New York Times, Washington Post, The Guardian, and The Daily Beast. Uh, And every single one of them is basically a lie. Sweeping raids, giant camps, and mass deportations inside Trump's 2025 immigration plans. Right? You can just say that Mm -hmm. because then you'll clarify what you mean in the article. Trump and allies plot revenge, Justice Department control in a second term. Okay? Trump vows to expand Muslim ban and bar Gaza refugees if he wins presidency. This is using the trick, kind of like the don't say gay bill. There never was a Muslim ban. God, I hate having to defend this guy all the time. (laughs) Trump mulling, deploying military to street on day one if elected. Report. He's mulling it. That's interesting. According to someone else, he's thinking that. (laughs) (laughs) Complete with sweeping raids, sprawling detention camps, and mass deportation for immigrants. With a reinstated Muslim ban and a push to unleash troops on protesters. Just last night, Trump... Okay. She's going to read a... Go ahead and play it, because listen to how she reads this tweet. 2024 is our final battle. We will finish the job once and for all. Okay. See, he's... She left out the entire body (laughs) of this tweet. (laughs) She has it up on the screen. It's highlighted. 2024 is our final battle. We will finish the job once and for all. And what she's basically saying is that what he means is that we're going to... What she's saying is that he wants to go to actual violent war and murder his opponents. Finish the job once and for all. What he's actually saying is, with the rest of the tweet reads, with you at my side, we will demolish the deep state. We will expel the warmongers from our government. We will drive out the globalists. We will cast out the communists, Marxists, and fascists. We will throw off the sick political class that hates our country. We will rout the fake news media. We will evict Joe Biden from the White House. And we will finish the job once and for all. Quite a different little context. Yeah. You might not like that. You might not believe in the deep state or that Marxists and fascists are in control. But there's a totally different context when you read all that. Casting this not as an election, but as a battle. Every Republican who doesn't speak out against that kind of thing is complicit. But we're also at a point where the party isn't just tolerating Donald Trump. They are following his lead in word and also in action. Maybe that has something to do with his view of what the MAGA base wants, a base many Republicans are scared of losing or even just scared of in general. His violent rhetoric has trickled down to Congress, where literal fighting erupted this week. I mean, if the head of the party is spouting violent rhetoric any chance he gets, I guess it's not really surprising that brawls are on the verge of breaking out in the halls of Capitol. I mean, it has kind of a connection there. This week in the span of one day, I'm talking about one single so day she's, here. She's, she's burnt to J6 there? No, it's oh. uh, recently there was just some 
raised voices and standing up out of your chair mm -hmm. uh, and looking in the direction of your opponent going on in, in Congress. Violent rhetoric. Yeah, which is, as you could have guessed before you even started watching this, Trump's fault. <laughs> so uh, let's just stop it there since uh, the timer went off. But uh, the, the lesson for today, children, is that you can lie in headlines don't believe headlines. If you actually want to read uh, what's going on, you have to read the entire story. All you kindergartners go out there, read the entire article. Exactly. Exactly. Before, before you repeat the headline at <laughs> Christmas dinner. Uh, do you remember, so are we doing, this is not so much a prediction, but it's kind of an uh, update on a prediction. Okay. So do you remember this, uh, the discussion we had about bricks? Yes. Do you remember like what was the rough outline of what I was kind of predicting? You were predicting... Uh, they were going to dig a canal through Israel into connecting the oh, okay. uh, Mediterranean. There, there is some evidence that those the canals, the tunnels used by Hamas were built by Bigfoot I mean, ah. for the last century. So really? Just so I don't want to get into this theory right now. Okay. I, mean, I didn't really bring the receipts <laughs> for it. But what we talked about with BRICS is that uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa was going to essentially double in size uh, in 2024. Mm -hmm. uh, the most consequential ones being Saudi Arabia and the UAE and what's bolstering up, what's basically shoring up the U.S. dollar, the U.S. economy. The petrodollar. petrodollar. Yeah. And so if they decide to start, start trading oil on something other than the petrodollar, that could be very, very, very bad for the U.S. economy, the U.S. dollar, since it's not backed by anything and else. And very, very, very good for the average American in coming generations, in my opinion, because of what we talked about once, the rich kid syndrome. Mm -hmm. We got to get people off the petrodollar. Yeah. It's the only way to save America. It's going to be a rough opinion. transition. It's not going to be fun. It's going to get worse before it's, it gets worse. Well, it's going to be say. it's going to be like double days at the end of August when you have to start going back to football practice. Uh, currently, Russia and China are trading, exporting oil um, at a record level. And but uh, what's important here is the first time China been, does not have oil. Russia does. Yes. So China is. Oh, I see. In, Russia yeah. is exporting it to exactly. China. Exactly. Gotcha. And for the first time in history, it's being done on the on, Ch on the Chinese digital yuan. Mm. So that is another step in that direction. The petro can, one. The petro one. <laughs> which is not the guy that works at the <laughs> gas station. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we're all about the low hanging fruit here in the Tree Podcast. <laughs> If your prediction goes beyond <laughs> the, the Petro one, I don't think it's going to live up. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, just an update on a prediction we had before. What is it? Could you re refine that for me? I didn't catch it. It's, uh, well, it's a payoff. So remember I was saying once they start trading oil, not using the petrodollar, yeah. that's going to be the, our only other option is to basically push, you fan the flames to start World War III because the only other thing that we have kind of in our pocket is our world military might. Yeah. So now that they're trading on the digital yuan, mm -hmm. um, that's one step further in direction of them getting off the petrodollar. Yeah. Uh, so I'm laying the groundwork that my prediction is slowly coming true in a really painful way. I guess I kind of already uh, factored that <clears throat> into your last prediction. What's that? Well, I just, yeah, that we're going to war over this yeah. was kind of assumed in my mind. Yeah, it's just fun to remind people that we were yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to die. Uh, World War Three. Oh, that's hilarious. All right, so uh, 
What do you got this week, brother? Um, a couple questions. Is that Trump? Do, do you want to say the thing? I'm not. We're not Trump supporters. Supporter, yeah. but uh, uh, I was curious to. This is something I was kind of mulling around in my head. What in your guys's mind? What do you think was the first off? There was a very controlled, orchestrated opposition against Trump. Would you not agree? And starting the day he he was elected, absolutely. I mean, how many indictments is he dealing with right now? All of them based on stuff that can't be quantified. By the way, okay. Would you guys agree with this? Is that I hate to break it to people, like Trump is not going to be president. Like that, him being elected was, in my mind, unless you can think of something else, one of the biggest glitches in the matrix in modern American history is he was not supposed, that was not supposed to happen. We talked about earlier that the day before the election, they were saying like, well, it's about like 90% chance that Hillary Clinton's going to win this. Sorry. Yep. Right. Totally. No, it was a, it was a foregone conclusion. Yeah. So it's like, did he, did they steal that election somehow or did the, uh, no, I don't think they did. Did the, uh, did who steal it? Which election? 2016? Yeah. Then, like, because if if it, he won organically, people voted him into office, mm-hmm. that means our election system actually works. Well, mm-hmm. this is the thing about stealing elections. If, if elections were 100% phony, there would be no need to steal anything. And so, like, you wouldn't have to do any work to actually steal. You wouldn't have to do ballot stuffing. You wouldn't have to rig voting machines. You wouldn't have to do all of this work. Right. And the more work you do, the more chance you get caught. So I think that it was rigged, except they didn't realize how much they had to rig it. They undershot how, you know. Yeah, I believe every election is fraudulent to some extent. Right. Um, And probably increasingly so. And especially after the glitch in the matrix happened, it's like they're, oh shit. Because what I think happened is that they got. Hillary Clinton was like the epitome of a statist, of uh, someone who played ball with the deep state and, you know, was part of the cathedral. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's been groomed to be president almost her entire life, mm-hmm. right? Just like Gavin Newsom, for example. And they got lazy. Like the people, I think, that actually yeah. are in power, they just said like, yeah, she's got this. And I don't think, we're, you know, what were we talking about earlier today? We're like, they don't, I think the people, the actual power brokers, the people that run elections and, you know, call the shots and, decides who we're going to go to war with and they finance both sides and you know all the stuff that we talk about mm-hmm. is they didn't realize how kind of fed up America was it's like they vastly vastly underestimated like people's threshold of like where they were at they were essentially at a boiling point and Trump you know for all of his flaws he represented you know he talked about draining the swamp about you know getting out of these wars about MAGA was essentially, how do you understand what MAGA is? Like, I know what it's supposed to be, the way it's sold to us now. It's domestic extremism. It's Donald Trump's middle finger. It's a rejection of the status quo. It was originally built on the tenets of an economic program about, you know, bringing jobs back here. MAGA was a a money thing originally in the very beginning. And that's something that got forgotten. Well, Hmm. to that point, like, if MAGA actually meant anything... What was it supposed to mean, and did it actually happen? I'm going to make an argument that whatever it was supposed to mean didn't actually happen during his term. Thusly, it was just a slogan used during an election cycle to get people to rally behind you. That's why I was saying, like, it's just Donald Trump's middle finger. As soon as Donald Trump started talking about other things that 
were, you know, like the vaccine, you know, go out and get your vaccine and get boosted. People yeah. were like, Operation Warp uh, Speed. fuck off, dude. Yeah. It wasn't a Donald Trump thing. MAGA is something bigger than that. It's Donald Trump's middle finger to the establishment. Yeah. To me, that's when someone puts on a MAGA hat, that's what they're saying. It's yeah. It's not so much about Trump. It's about what it represents. Totally. And, and I think with that represented is just like how sick everyone was and the, just the establishment. And the establishment did not realize that the pitchforks and torches were at the gate on the front porch at least yeah. <laughs> right yeah i don't think that there's a pretty good argument to be made of you know some of the podcasters we listen to it's like you don't understand you can assassinate trump for example these people are not going to go away they're like well i guess i'll vote for mitt romney it's mm-hmm. like no they it's it's a it's like part of like a culture it's an attitude it's like it's like a sickness that people have of like just seeing the corruption and the debt and the wars and everything. And they, there's, they've had like enough of it. Are you, um, so would you guys agree that <clears throat> there was a very coordinated opposition, like starting day one, just to get Trump out of the way? You mean in 2016? Yeah. It's like starting during, during the, that, starting era. the day he was elected. Like it's just, oh, it, yeah. it was just, all eyes were on him to, you know, impeachments and indictments and demonizing anyone who supported him. You know what I mean? The domestic extremist stuff. Like it it started like immediately. Mm -hmm. If you, if you remember, I think a lot of that is, would you agree? Like to a certain extent, he kind of represented like almost like an anti-statism. He did. Yeah. I think that that's, uh, that was the appeal of Donald Trump. So why do you think there was such an opposition to him? By the establishment? Yeah. Because he represented anti-statism. Yeah. He's an anti-establishment. Yeah, he candidate. wanted to get us out of the Paris Climate Accord, out of the WHO. He wanted to stop financing NATO. All these, like, giant, like, kind of more, like, global structures, which we'll get into mm-hmm. a little bit later. Yeah, he's a populist, and the, the, the status quo relies on... Um, a global elite tiny group having control over all of the all modern societies right well and the you know eastern you know sub-saharan africa they have to have control over everything right and as soon as you start to chip away at that especially in an important place like america mm-hmm. the best economy in the world and the most uh powerful country in the world um and you're you're really chopping away at something um, essential to their yeah. control. So I want to talk about where you're talking about these global kind of elites and these, you know, these power structures that are, because I want to get people to at least think about to start to get out of the two-party illusion, right? While we sit there and bicker at each other that, you know, Republican versus Democrat, it's like, we had a discussion, when was this yesterday? Like, explain to me, you know, when your winged aunt starts spouting off at Christmas dinner, you know, about Republicans. Right. right, Or Democrats. Right. And just ask this question, like, can you, like, functionally explain the difference between Republicans and Democrats? Let me play, since you brought up Mitt Romney a second sure. ago, let me play this Mitt Romney uh, clip for you, because I think this really just hits the nail mm-hmm. on the head with that. Can you uh, play that link that I sent you, uh, Jake, of uh, Mitt Romney? Uh, anybody. Um, so you know, she I, I just would, asked uh, him, uh, see if you could rewind that. Yeah. Is it in the Republican field? Who do you like in the uh, Republican field? Um, you know, I, I would, uh, I'd be happy to support 
virtually any one of the Republicans, maybe not Vivek, but uh, but the others that are running would would be acceptable to me, and I'd be happy to vote for them. I'd be happy to vote for a number of the Democrats too. I mean, it would be an upgrade from, in my opinion, from uh, Donald Trump and and perhaps also from uh, Joe Biden. Uh, look, I like uh, President Biden. Um, you know, I, I find him a very charming, engaging person. For some <laughs> places I agree with him, but most places I disagree with him. Uh, I think he's made all sorts of terrible mistakes, but uh, I, I would like to see. So here is Mitt Romney, Republican, saying who I would vote for anyone, really, just just not Vivek or Donald Trump. The two I would vote for the you might as well just said I'd vote for the Uniparty. Anyone in the Uniparty would be fine. It is what he's saying. It is yeah. a Uniparty. Exactly. And essentially what he just said there, because we talked about this earlier, is like the only person you won't vote for is the guy who didn't start any new wars and the guy is promising to not start any new wars. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's he's not there isn't another candidate out there who is running on an anti-war platform. Some of them started out like uh, DeSantis mm -hmm. at the very beginning saying that he was against. Remember when he called the war between Ukraine and Russia a border dispute? Yeah. And he got all sorts of shit from that. He just backpedaled from that yep. quickly. So mm -hmm. there is nobody else out there who is an anti-war candidate except those two guys, Trump and Vivek. Dave Smith. Not a, well, he's, he's that's not running for president. <laughs> not a coincidence that um, that Mitt Romney, who is basically, if if the Uniparty had a chairperson, it would be Mitt Romney, right? Yeah. He's just the quintessential. Perfect statist. Yeah. So I want to just propose a new way of thinking for people, not for us, because we're geeks about this stuff, but the, the, there is no two-party system. That, that That's a carefully curated narrative being intentionally force-fed you to keep you distracted. It's the uh, shiny object that you wave in front of you. So you preoccupy yourselves with yelling about Democrat, Republican, they're exact same people, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to start thinking about this is, I'm trying to word this so it doesn't get full Alex Jones, but there are there's this global elite superstructure that are, are actually making decisions. And remember we talked about a couple episodes ago, I was like, I'd love to just go down like just the list of psychopaths and just kind of pay them off, you know what I mean? Because you had a discussion at a social engagement and someone kind of admonished you for using the term they, right? Mm -hmm. You want to explain uh, that? What was I saying with that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you brought this up a few times and I was like, yeah, I kind of you're remember saying that. You were saying like they, that, and they're like, you shouldn't say they. Like what's that, you know, makes you sound like a conspiracy theorist. Mm -hmm. And so I want to kind of pay off like, and I want to hear well, your guys' they, ideas. Yeah, I mean, they are a, a thing. The reason that you don't know exactly who they are is, is intentional. Uh -huh. But there are global elites. They're hidden in plain sight, which we're, yeah. we're going to want to go through. Right, that are controlling um, things through organizations. I, I think uh, I think you told me you were going to be talking about this, but mm -hmm. the Council on Foreign Relations, for Council example. Relations. And, uh, you know, we know about the WEF, and we know about the deep state. And mm -hmm. so we're talking about, you know, if you want names, like... Klaus Schwab and Christopher Ray and fucking every single president that's been a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, which is all of them. Mm -hmm. um, am I hitting the, it? Is, am I, am yeah, I yeah, saying no. what you wanted me to say? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for kicking you in the shin so hard. <laughs> is there are all these while, because how does a politician get into office, right? He's got to raise a ton of money. Mm -hmm. And he's, this money comes from... Unless he's Donald Trump, 
or a mayor somewhere. Right. He does it through a lifetime of dick sucking, basically. <laughs> <laughs> All the way up Come to the on. top. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Gesundheit. <laughs> Is the well, I think that the <laughs> <laughs> man you speak so well. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> is that money that funding comes from NGOs, super PACs, and lobbyists? And they don't tap a Gavin Newsom and say, like, we just really like it. Here's $20 million. What are tonight. your thoughts? Yeah, on- no, no, they hear that thoughts. money comes with caveats. Lifelong caveats. Mm-hmm. You have someone who's been groomed to be president for their entire life, as many of these politicians are. And it doesn't matter. They don't, it's, it's the same thing. It's not Republican or Democrat. These people, these superstructures, these NGOs and these super PACs, these lobbyists, they fund both sides, just like the way they fund both sides of a war, mm-hmm. which, which does happen. Mm-hmm. So if we want to, here's a question. If you want to figure out what the agenda of some psychopathic authoritarian is, where would be a good place to start? How would you find out what their agenda is? Because the answer is way more simple than it sounds. Uh, I would guess they would just tell you. Exactly. <laughs> you just go and see what they say. So if I want to find out, if I suspect that Black Lives Matter are trained Marxists that want to destroy the Western family structure, mm-hmm. I don't know, where would I go? I don't know. You could check out their website. <laughs> I could check out their website. Maybe it'd be... I did the, that, actually. The they beginning, took it down. They I know. Taken it down. I know they did, but... I, I remember being in my kitchen before I remodeled it, and I remember exactly where the computer was, and I was showing Gertrude, like, look at this. This yep. is on their website. This was right, like, around 2020 when all the riots yep. after George Floyd happened, all the riots were happening. It's like it's right there on their friggin' website. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a quote. It's kind of long, but this is going to kind of set up what we're talking about. We are grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other great publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promises of discretion for almost 40 years. It would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subjected to the lights of publicity during those years. But the world is more sophisticated and prepared to march towards a world government. The supranational sovereignty of an intellectual elite and world bankers is surely preferable to the national auto-determination practiced in past centuries. This is where it gets even funnier. Beneficial for who? <laughs> Probably the guy giving the speech, I guess. <laughs> I'm guessing. Some even believe we are a part of a secret cabal working against the best interest of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global, political, and economic structure. Let me guess the next sentence. One world, if you will. If that is a charge, I stand guilty. I'm I proud it. of it. <laughs> you know who that is? It sounded like Gavin Newsom saying that he was going <laughs> to clean up the streets for the foreign dignitaries that came to San Francisco, but that who was, was it? David Rockefeller in 1991. Wow. So I want to lay out that we are in the throat, like the, basically the final throes of a century-old plan made by global elites to reshape the international power structure to a, from a, to a complete top-down authoritarian model. And these people and the organizations that they fund, these are the people that are actually changing the world. And what we talk about, what's the war? So we talk about you can't prepare for a war if it, you don't know you are in it. Mm-hmm. And the, like step one, I guess, to pay off to James. Like, I need a solution. This is your solution. He doesn't talk like that. That's a good James impression. (laughs) This is your solution. You need to be aware that you're in a war. And this war is hidden in plain sight. And these organizations are hidden in plain sight. And these are the 
organizations that you were just paying off earlier. It's going to be tough to know that you're in a war and what to do about that war if you don't ever watch the movie Red Dawn. I just got to point that out <laughs> for people out there. So when we talk about, you know, to go back to if someone's ranting about Democrats or Republicans, you're like, functionally, what is the difference between a Democrat and Republican? Like, do they both support starting new wars? Yes. Do they both continually grow the power and scope of government? Um, yes, they do. Yes. Do they both? One says they don't. One says they don't. <laughs> the other one has no problem with it. And it's adorable it. when they do. <laughs> do they both continue to fund and grow the deep state apparatus? Yep. The surveillance state. Again, the rhetoric, though, is the difference. Yes. But I'm asking, I'm asking what they do. Well, it's just making me think, like, maybe the Democrats are better since at least they admit that they're, <laughs> they're doing what they're doing. Uh, do they both support continually finding new ways to extract money in the form of taxes from its citizens? Yep. Does that increase every year? It does. Do they both continue to plummet our country into debt? Mm-hmm. Is there any push whatsoever to do anything about what are we? What are we? Thirty-three point seven trillion dollars. Well, the Republicans yeah. almost threatened to shut down the government uh, this time around. Oh if, yeah, the old annual. It's like it's almost like a it's like a paid holiday at this point. <laughs> <laughs> the government shutdown happens every year. Right on, the budget, right on the the debt ceiling increase. <laughs> Well, they did make uh, inroads this year. They raised it less than they've ever raised it before. Yeah. So, you know, hats off to them. And so while we get distracted that, you know, there's a government shutdown, for example, that you bring up, and we pick which jersey we want to wear because the Democrats want to send $80 billion to Ukraine and Republicans say, like, no, we're only sending $60 billion to Ukraine. What I want to, like, create an awareness is, like, why? where are the people that just go, like, why are we sending money to Ukraine? Not 60, not 80. Like, why are we sending any money to Ukraine? When we talk about withdrawing troops from Syria, right? Or should we have 20,000 troops or 10,000 troops? Why? Who raises our hand and goes, why do we have a military base in Syria? Can someone explain that to me? Dude, I saw that on on my client's TV the other day. I was kind of, I was talking to her and I looked over and the, she had Fox News on and they were showing like, 15 military bases in Syria that were being attacked by Hezbollah. Mm-hmm. And it was this outrage. Like, Hezbollah is attacking Americans. And no one goes, why do we have a military base I'm, in Syria? I'm like, why the f- We have 15 military bases in Syria? Yeah. What the fuck? It's not like they're our ally. Even, yeah. even if they were. I mean, why would we have military bases in an ally's country? But still, it's like, did anyone know that? I guarantee your average normie does not. I mean... You know, well, does anyone know that? I didn't know that. How, how, and I know everything. How are we going to train ISIS if we don't have a military base in that country? That's a fair point. <laughs> That's a fair point. Stand corrected. It's, it's a, there's no like online course <laughs> to actually go over there. There might arm, be. Hey, uh, Jake, Google uh, online ISIS training um, real quick. Oh, and switch to yeah, the Make sure you're switch, on your switch uh, to <laughs> neighbors. <laughs> Internet first. <laughs> So when we talk about the wars and the debt and the, you know, the rampant, oh boy, look at that, is this, in my mind, these are the things that actual, actually matter. And while people are being distracted by whatever slight nuance between the Democrats and Republicans that they see on NPR or MSNBC or Fox News or Huffington Post or the, the Guardian or whatever mainstream media, did you know, do you know in the 80s how many major media corporations there were in the U.S.? No. Uh, over 70. Hmm. Do you know how many we have now? No. Five. 
Wow. Yes. Did they change the definition of major? <laughs> <laughs> well, the CDC runs a website, right? So joining oh, Al-Qaeda. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We might be on a list now. Oh, babe, another list? You're on another <laughs> list? <laughs> so the families, I want to talk about the families and these organizations that are actually at the top of this power hierarchy. And we'll keep in mind that David Rockefeller quote is that this billionaire oligarch class have been there for well over a century and they had a plan in that century and that plan has not changed. Not only has it not changed, it's going swimmingly well. And that is basically, to put it in a nutshell, to tap my inner Alex Jones, is a one world governance. It's, it's the elimination of sovereign borders of all cultures and eventually the things that we see popping up now, the CBDC, the digital ID, the 15-minute city, mm-hmm. you'll own nothing and like it. And as we go through these, we go like, well, how do you know that this is their plan? It's like, because they fucking tell us. Mm-hmm. It's on their websites. It's in their speeches. It's when we play clips of Klaus Schwab and Yuval Harari. Now, when we talk about like the World Economic Forum and we see this guy come up straight out of central casting that looks like a Bond villain, you know, and he's talking about uh, the elimination of free will and his crazy sidekick, Yuval Harari, and you will eat the bugs, you'll know nothing than like it. And all these like psychopathic authoritarian gen- agendas, it's easy to dismiss them and go like, well, there's, they're, they're, they're crazy. Those are crazy people. But then when the camera pans out and we see in the audience Gavin Newsom and Nancy Pelosi and Justin Trudeau and Macron and Jacinda Hardin and Al Gore and John Kerry, people actually that, quote unquote, make policy for us, that's the time to start worrying. Right, right? Yeah, the, the WEF has no power. But the people that are attending their um, workshops, I would argue, they, will. D- they do have the power. So, Jake, do you want to bring up that um, that handy flowchart of psychopathic authoritarians? This is from the Mel K show. She put this together, I think, in partnership with someone else. So, what I've you- seen this before. Yeah, I showed it to you this morning, right before the show started. No, I've seen it before then. <laughs> I didn't look at it when you showed me it earlier. <laughs> is as you go to the top of this power hierarchy is that you realize that these are the people that finance both sides of every war. They manufacture events like pandemics. They, with a complicit media, by the way, they control and manipulate elections in the U.S. and around the world. So, example, Victoria Newland, the fuck the EU. They overthrew, you know, Yahtzee's our guy in 2014 in Ukraine. Uh, they finance color revolutions, the Summer of Love, the BLM riots, you know, hear about the Acme Brick Company, where pallets of bricks were all of a sudden magically being mm-hmm. deployed to these to these riots. Is this is all being done to keep us distracted or in a constant state of fear? We talk about the strategy of tension, right? It's basically it's trauma based mind control of just keeping everyone so whipped up and distracted and at each other's throats while their agenda of basically a one world governance just plods along. It's been like a hundred year plan. <clears throat> so if you go back to that David Rockefeller quote and go like, well, so, so what? He's, he's obviously a psychopathic, you know, power-hungry authoritarian. But then you have to go like, well, does this guy have any power? And then you have to start looking at the organizations that he has basically funded or started entirely from the beginning. You named some of them earlier. Do you remember? Yeah, the CFR, uh, WEF, 
the Chatham House. Never heard of that. <laughs> Club of Rome. That's the, Just that's reading the, off of that's the, the British stuff, stuff too. <laughs> so yeah, IMF, uh, IPCC, World Bank, WHO. Um, up above that next level, WF, CFR, Club of Rome. That gets really right. So just so because people can't see this, yeah. uh, this chart shows um, all of these kind of levels of um, global control. At the very top, you have the policymakers, and it says WEF, which is World Economic Forum, CFR, which is the Council on Foreign Relations, Club of Rome, Chatham House, Rockefellers. Um, and then above that, it has uh, central banks, um, which is interesting. I'd like to know the methodology of how to place things above or below. But then anyways, the next level down is policy distributors, United Nations, IMF, IPCC, World Bank, WHO, philanthropists, global corps, and NGOs, non-governmental organizations. So meaning that the World Economic Forum comes up with the policy, which would be like um, global lockdown in the case of a pandemic. Right. And then you have all of these organizations below distributing that policy to the next level down, who are the national governments and the selected scientific authorities, like the CDC, for example, or the FDA in America. Mm -hmm. And so what they're saying is that then those people there, the enforcers, those are the ones that actually lock you in your house. Well, give the order to lock you in your house. But before it gets to there, the power is really just kind of, um, it's indirect, right? It's, it's, uh, inferred, uh, like it'd be a shame if, uh, you know, something happened to your beautiful family Mm -hmm. kind of inference, right? Once it gets to the national governments, it's like, no, you have to do this at the point of a gun. Yeah. Right, and then it's the local so a, a perfect, cops that end up you know bringing the guns. Right, so a perfect example of that would be let's just take the IMF. Like, do you remember their model? South South America, they yeah. go and like, hey, you guys need some money they, for your for your infrastructure, they, and if you go like, no, we don't. I was like, okay, don't get on any planes anytime soon. And if you take the money, they give you a loan that you can't pay, can't back, pay back until they give you a new loan and then we to help you pay that loan back. Right. And essentially, and we then come a new to you loan. and say like, hey, we, we, we're falling behind on your debt payment here. So what we're going to do is privatize your timber industry yeah, your or port. your water or your mines or whatever. And then we sell those off to that's gonna politically help. connected private contractors. And they sell that by saying it's going to help uh, build industry in your yeah. country so that you can have a greater GDP and thereby pay back your mm-hmm. loan. But usually those things don't help anybody but giant Which, which is an interesting question to ask because these are all these developing countries. So think about the, the last 70 years, all these developing countries that we've, mm-hmm. the IMF has gone into help. Mm-hmm. No one can see even using constant finger quotes here. <laughs> of all those countries, South America and Africa, all those ones that we went in and, and, and basically proposed that they will take this IMF loan, are any of them in the last 70 years, are they better off? Now, have, no. they, have they developed? No, and that's right. uh, yeah, exactly why socialism doesn't work. If you want to actually help those countries, just give them the freedom to use their resources as they see fit to produce things. They it's simple. One thing that these that they are they kind of bank on is to keep us divided. There is an orchestrated campaign to keep us at each other's throats. In reality, they don't care if you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, gay, straight, trans, what your pronouns are or anything, is they, they're intentionally, they whip, it's called like weaponized intersectionality. It's like we're going to keep you fixated on minute, like the distinction of small, you know, small differences and 
convince you, like maybe we would talk about Trump, like half the country is your sworn enemy, enemy, and you need to stay fixated on that. Does that seem like it's been like an orchestrated campaign in the last, just take the last five years? Right. Constant fixation on gender and race and political differences. Mm-hmm. Now it's and a, especially right. with Trump, it's all based on something that they can't actually describe to you. You ever wonder? You see the protests, like slash riots, going on in college campuses right now. Right now, it's Palestine versus Israel. Is the first question you ask? Like, I didn't, I didn't know there's so many diehard Palestinian supporters in California. <laughs> That's a little surprising to Doesn't me. Doesn't make sense. Yes, that seem at all going like, back to media literacy. By the way, right. Listen to that voice in your head like, that doesn't make sense. You know what does make sense is the riots that are happening in Ireland right now over the children and other people that were stabbed. So if you are against children being stabbed, that means you're a far-right extremist. Well, that is obviously the... Speaking of media, media literacy. And again, okay, yeah. So to put a finer point on that media literacy issue right there as soon as you see something that is a deviation from global power mm-hmm. and it looks more like local control and or local seems power congruent with rational thought just as soon as you see that i want you to count to a hundred and in that time span that it takes you to get from zero to a hundred see how many times right-wing racist uh you know, every derogatory term you can think of pops up in relation to that event that you that you just witnessed mm-hmm. on media, right? It's the same thing that happens with... I got a text from somebody, from my engineer, about uh, uh, Javi Malay in mm-hmm. uh, Argentina right. being elected. That was the first I'd heard of it. I was like, oh, wow, he actually got elected? Yeah. And then I was like, okay, wait for it. 10, 11, <laughs> 12, get to 100... Probably five different news stories pop up with Trump two point right wing dictator. You know, you know, just it's just so predictable. Like, yeah. just wait for it before you have a reaction. Before you think anything about a story, just wait and see what pops up. Yeah, but one thing missing off this, unless I'm just not seeing it, is the trilateral commission. Okay, um, what's the trilateral commission? They're just they're basically up there with. Uh, they're very similar to. Can you go back to that chart, Jake? Oh, there you go. Wow. Yeah, the trilateral commission. Yeah, thing, but this is what I pulled up. Yeah, so they're they're just another NGO, brokers of power. Um, they're very much up there with uh, what like is the their Rome. what is their stated reason for existing? Oh, I don't know. Just complete <clears throat> global subjugation. They put that in the bylaws, <laughs> huh? <laughs> would be surprised. You said that they just say what they're doing, so it wouldn't surprise me. Well, what's funny, if you if you type in any of these organizations and type in, like, One World Governance, for example, they're all basically, they say more or less the same thing. Like, they use slightly different wording, but their, their agendas are all pretty much the same. You know who's a very, very uh, prominent member of the Trilateral Commission? Who? Old Jeffrey Epstein. Really? Yeah. Huh. Before he killed himself. Uh, here, here it is. Uh, the Trilateral Commission is championing a commitment to the rule of law, open economies, open and economies, societies. Pay attention to that. And democratic principles. Open economies is one world economy, as in CBDC, as getting rid of all any anything that makes a country sovereign is they seek to diminish. By the way, democratic principles. Our founding fathers were terrified of democracy. Mm -hmm. Democratic principles does not mean freedom. It means majority rule. Right. All right. It shouldn't set you at ease when you see democratic principles written anywhere. Yeah. 
open economies, if you look into that, this is they use that phrase, uh, the Trilateral Commission, the Club of Rome, um, the Committee of 300. Open economies directly, when you read what open economies is, look at open, I think it's George Soros's open society, mm-hmm. same thing. It's, I'm, it's, just, it's communism. I'm guessing it it's the opposite of a free market. It's the polar opposite, yeah. Sounds nice. Anything. Isn't it funny? They have to. De- here's your rule to- of thumb. Anything that that marginally sounds liberty based or sovereign language, border, cultures, economy. Well, uh, that's what these guys uh, are trying to see. How telling finish. is that that they have to disguise their language in the language of freedom and liberty? Mm-hmm. They have to cloak it in the ideas of the founding of America in order to make people be appetized to it. They can't just come out and say. No, we're going to do um, central control right. of economies. And that should tell you all you need to know yeah. about their ideas. If they have to disguise what it actually is. It, it, the, I think an apt metaphor is the COVID vaccine. It's like, if it was a good idea, you wouldn't have to bribe people. You wouldn't have to like manipulate people to take it. Like, I, why, if your mask, why are you offering me a free donut? If your mask <laughs> works, why are you taking a selfie on the airplane and complaining about all the, all the people not wearing masks? <laughs> Are you saying COVID doesn't exist? No. What I'm saying is you don't lock down the world for a virus with a 99.97% survivability rate and a median death age that's higher than our natural death rate. And by the way, while we're on the subject, what happened to the flu that year? I'd love to know that. I want to find out who shot JFK. Can someone look into that? (laughs) Yeah, I was was informed about that, that the reason the flu went away was because of masks. (laughs) Which is why we need to wear them every year. That makes perfect sense. It has nothing to do with them do I need conflating to, it into a new category called PIC. Do I need to refer people to the 175-plus studies on how <laughs> masking does not work? Do I need to refer people to the article that just came out that J.P. Morgan Chase just had to pay out $290 million to Jeffrey Epstein's victims, but we still don't have a client list? I'm pretty sure the mainstream media is digging into that, though. You just stay tuned. Do I need to refer you to the article about the Hamas tunnels were being dug by Sasquatches? <laughs> Would you mind? Actually, I think people might want to look into that. See, see if you can find anything on that. So, as we were saying earlier, if you see something that seems to be incongruent with reality or in defiance of what we would perceive to be rational thought, like at least entertain the thought that there is like an ulterior motive. So take the Club of Rome. The Club of Rome was, have you looked into the Club of Rome at all? Not at all. It's was kind of derivative of a book called The Limits to Growth. Have you heard of that book? Nope. Uh, it was written in 1971 and it's basically was the OG depopulation. There's too many people on the planet kind of Bible for that movement, even though, that movement has is tied all the way back to the late 1800s. What was the, the book? Program. The limits to growth. Okay. Basically, they're saying that the you know the, the planet only has a carrying capacity of anywhere between you know five half million to two million or whatever you know what I mean or five hundred million to two billion mm-hmm. or something like that. It was like the original kind of depopulation, like they went like mainstream. And you think about that. Remember we had a discussion, here's something to drop at uh, Christmas dinner, is if someone, their religion is climate change, and so we go like, okay, let's just ask, just ask some questions, right? What, uh, how was climate change caused? From what? Too much carbon in the mm-hmm. atmosphere. What percentage of the atmosphere is carbon? 
0.04%. Okay, 0.4. How much of that is genuinely understood to be man-made? It's 11. So right. 11% of 0.4%, and almost entirely coming from China and India, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, I shouldn't have a gas stove in my house. Like, that's incongruent with reality. The that's, thing that, that was supposed to be rational to me. The thing that was uh, reducing our carbon footprint <laughs> three years ago. Yes. And now is evil. Well, apparently it causes autism now. I don't know if you follow AOC's Twitter. Oh, man. Okay. So let's just say I'm using, I'm using your math here. Let's just say that's true, right? Okay. Let's say it's, it's a, it's, we live in such a fragile ecosystem that if that 0.4% goes to 0.5%, you know, every, you know, cats start marrying dogs and <laughs> the whole deal, like everything goes off the rails. So I need to not have a gas stove or use a leaf blower anymore. Right. The same people that are telling me that. Also, what was the carbon footprint of blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline? Yeah, it's pretty big. <laughs> so you did that, but you're also telling me this. Like that's that doesn't that's not realistic to me. Like that doesn't jive with reality. And that's where you go, like, well, there's an ulterior motive. It's forced behavior modification, which is that how you understand like the like the war on gas, for example, to be. Because that makes us more sustainable. Uh, right. No, it's, well, I think it's just centralized control. Gas is too, um, it's two things. It's centralized control because gas is too easy to just have a tank of gas at your house that you can turn on and turn off at your whim and Mm -hmm. not have to be reliant on some central authority. And it's also the, the thing I was talking about with mothers against drunk driving, where if you don't have an enemy to fight, then you just kind of have to close up shop. Mm-hmm. And so they just, the mission creep just keeps going, going, going. Eventually when gas is not a thing anymore, there'll be something else. Otherwise all these NGOs that make tons and tons of money and all these nonprofits are not going to have a boogeyman to fight against. Or we also talked about like uh, in California, they recently just passed legislation to put a kill switch in cars. Right. Do you look at the fact check against that? No. Oh, it was great. Was it? Yeah. They're saying this is false. I'm like, I love you, it. You got to read the whole article. Got to read the whole. Well, article. they don't. They don't actually call it a it's kill said, switch. It's, it's not. It's not a. It's not a kill switch that they're going to use to control your car. It's used to shut off your car in case someone's being unsafe. <laughs> right. So it's a kill switch. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So. I just wanted to pay off, like, just give people, like, an awareness to look into these, the Club of Rome, the Trilateral Commission, the Committee of 300, the Council on Foreign Relations, the United Nations, the IPCC, which is the, the climate, the Club of Rome and the IPCC are kind of like the climate kind of arm of this. All of these organizations were either started or funded by David Rockefeller and the Rockefeller Foundation. So when we talk about, like, they, and this is not just an episode about the Rockefellers, but it's about the, the families that started the central banking system, you know, the J.P. Morgan Chases, the mm-hmm. Vanderbilts, the Warburgs, the DuPonts, you know, the, the Rockefellers. These are the people that start these organizations that actually have global power, and we have gone further and further in that direction. Would you not agree? Uh, yes, we have. Beginning, I think the beginning of this fucking nightmare was the creation of the central bank. Would you not agree? I yeah, more or less. I mean, it's it existed before then, and yeah, uh, but that was like the first been beat like down many times. And the uh, since the central bank we have now was established, they've just run roughshod over yeah our freedoms. 
Yeah. And they gave you the Federal Reserve, which is not Federal Reserve. It's not federal at all. It's on. It's owned by 12 private banks and it's on private land. It's, and people go like, well, no, Federal Reserve's kind of like orchestrating. It's like, think, just let this sink in. If you take like one red bill, right? 12 private families are manipulating our currency and directly can attribute what your time is worth as a human being. Just let that sink in. Mm-hmm. That, that should be the only red pill you need. And it's only gotten worse since then. That began in 1913. Mm-hmm. And it's still going on today. It's not the government. It's not any kind of you know, Republican, Democrat, whatever politician that you want to believe in. These are like private people making these decisions. And then you have same people. David Rockefeller starts the United Nations. Everything that he's done, not to make it only about, because these are several, it's, it's these billionaire, billionaire oligarch families are putting together this superstructure to get us into basically communism. 15-minute cities, yeah. the elimination of private property, all your rights, your Second Amendment. There will be no, there's no Bill of Rights. There's no yeah. constitution anymore. It's going to be if, a one-world government. If you have a reaction to the word communism and don't think that's right, then substitute centralized control, mm-hmm. which I think is it's the communism. same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. But if you want to think about it in different terms, yeah. Centralized control is what they're after. And here's the point, bring this up, is America is the last thing in the way of this thing fully going to pasture. Yes. Would you not agree? I would. And I'm actually optimistic. Yes. Please bring in some optimism. I will. I'm just a second. Okay, so this is why I'm optimistic. I've been saying for a while that I see cracks in the facade of the of the state and the the media kind of landscape that most of us interpret the world through. Yeah. Like none of us would have any idea what was going on outside of our very short radius that we live in if it wasn't for media. So one way or another, you're interpreting the world through other people's uh exposure or uh, things that they create to expose you to the world, right? And it just seems to me like more and more you see all these signs of our side winning. And our side, I think, is the side that's anti-state, mm-hmm. to sum it up in a kind of a ham-handed way. Right. Um, I don't think I need to go over, like, you know, my sure. ideas about... What's that? Show me. What was the chick saying over and over in that video? <laughs> Tell me. Show me. Show no. me. Name them. Name them. Name them. Name them. Name them. What you did was ridiculous. Name them. Name them. <laughs> well played, sir. Name them. Um, so I think that uh, I personally see signs of hope uh, to name them. I like seeing the way that they are going after. Play that uh, video, Jake, from The View. 
So here's the view where most of us go to for information <laughs> on the world Rational, around us. sober discourse. Right? I thought and they were all going to move the, to Canada. The good. <laughs> yeah, and the whole world is getting a little weird. I mean, they just put a fascist into, in Argentina. Yeah. Of course, Argentina, don't cry for me, Argentina, has never been the pinnacle of democracy. But you have it in Hungary. You have it now in Argentina. Yeah. You have it in different places in the world. For, even in Italy, our beloved Italy mm -hmm. has this sort of a right-wing Georgia Maloney running mm -hmm. the country. Yeah. And taking it out on gays and trans people yeah. and just acting like a real fascist. She's a Mussolini supporter. Mm -hmm. I worry about this country very, very much. I feel yeah. we're in a lot of trouble here. A we republic are. if you can keep it. It's not promised. That's no, right. Benjamin no. Franklin. Yeah. We, you know, we, I dated we him, by the way. <laughs> mm. It cuts off right before Whoopi says something. Yeah. <laughs> it, I, it wasn't that good. It wasn't that good. Uh, if you had I to go. Joy Behar saying she dated Benjamin Franklin was kind of funny, actually. <laughs> If you had to go camping with either Joy Behar or Whoopi Goldberg, which one would you choose? I'd uh, go Joy Behar. You think so? Yeah. There's something wrong. Like her face is lopsided. <laughs> Whoopi, <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg is balding. Oh, is she? Look at that picture. Pull that back up. If, if you had to get a fire going, I think Whoopi would be the more... <laughs> Useful. Let's see here. Hold on. Sorry. I don't. I can do the fire part. I like uh, I'm just saying, whatever is attached to her head here looks like it'll go up. And oh wow. <laughs> oh yeah. Look at that. Right. She got game. So, <laughs> do you guys ever? Did you ever hear anyone uh, that's survived, like an interview of someone post World War II who was alive when Mussolini was in control, and from an Italian person talk about Mussolini? Most of them. Have a, don't have a lot of bad things to say about the guy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> he came along and gave Italians like this, and I'm not I'm not about to start saying why Mussolini I'm not was a Mussolini supporter. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! Why do we always find ourselves here? <laughs> uh, he gave Italians a reason to appreciate being Italian, mm -hmm. you know, which is very anti-global, right? And you know, obviously he sided with Hitler in the beginning and then he changed his mind in the end, but he was not a good guy. I'm not saying that, but he was demonized for much the same reasons that um, anyone who is a uh, anti-globalist is demonized. Um, and this guy that was just elected in Argentina, Malay, is that his last name? Javi? Javier Malay? Millie? I've heard of Millie. Um when I got the text from my friend that he was elected, I was like, dude, just fucking wait for it. Before I got done sending the text, you know, he was already being called a dictator right. and a fascist, you know, for doing what? You know, what's the thing that was being passed around on our thread? That he was ending the, the central bank. Ending the central bank, yeah. In Italy. I mean, in uh, Argentina. Argentina. And that... That is all it took for people to go, oh, he's a he's a fascist, he's a dictator, he's you know, changing the It's it's an odd it's an odd leap to me for if he is who he says he is, which is an anarcho capitalist, you know, libertarian anarcho capitalist to call someone like that a fascist. I don't think people know what that word means when they when they use that word. It's pure knee jerk freak out by the the global state apparatus. Yeah. Right? Here is a guy that's doing the one thing that would completely cut the legs out from global control, and that's end the central banks. I would not get on a plane anytime soon if I was that guy. 
this guy is like pl- totally playing with fire. Now he hedged his bets by saying we're going to start using the U.S. dollar. Yeah, right. It's like okay, we're just getting rid of that. Which to you know, if he really is going to do that, that's fantastic for the global elites. Right, great. Come on to our right. central bank. If what he's actually doing is getting rid of their central bank, it's just kind of hedging his bets by saying, oh, no, no, we're going to go to the dollar. But what he's really going to do is do what the uh, president of El Salvador did and go to Bitcoin mm-hmm. as their currency. Then that's going <laughs> to probably come get him on, on there. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that are invested in Bitcoin. <laughs> um, I see this as... Like it's awesome. It's a total like chink in the armor of the the global statists. That here's a guy that's attacking them at their core. Um, this is uh, Chris Coons, the representative from uh, Delaware, talking to Morning Joe. There is a growing school of thought that Biden himself and Democrats should take on Trump more directly. Do you agree with that? And if so, how? That's a great question, Mika. The election in Argentina of a populist far-right president uh, who is spouting all sorts of things that uh, remind us of the worst days of former President Trump is a reminder uh, that the far-right is still very capable of electing populist leaders. We're seeing more support for Donald Trump, who by most measures is not a good president. Yeah. There's nothing that you can really look at with Donald Trump and say he was good for America except for his middle finger. And people are picking that over. It's not who he is. It's who he represents. He represents a culture. He represents an attitude of people that are just fed up with the establishment. And he's winning right now. So people that are fed up with the establishment are winning right now. And there's a lot of people that are fed up with the establishment that aren't going to vote for Donald Trump. But you listen to left-wingers like Jimmy Dore, guy, he's a total, you know, I want, you know, uh, universal health care for everyone kind of guy. I want a basic living wage. He's a total socialist. He is a Donald Trump defender like mm-hmm. us. He's not a supporter. He doesn't might not vote for him, but he's fed up with the establishment and he has said if Donald Trump is going to go after you guys, in the corrupt media and the corrupt establishment, then I'm going to vote for him. Right. So I think there's a lot out there in the world right now that we can be I'm optimistic more about. and more aligning with your prediction, or it was uh, Colonel McGregor's prediction that there was, there's not going to be an election, is as, because as each indictment comes, right, Trump <laughs> just keeps getting more and more popular as it becomes more and more obvious that the political establishment that has been in power right now is we're watching Joe Biden like, dude, he's clearly not capable of holding power. If they're willing to do anything to keep Trump from becoming president, they're, I think they're going to get desperate and it's going to get really fucking ugly. It's for the best, though. Yeah, got to rip that Band-Aid off. Yeah. And like, like what I was saying about uh, the, the petrodollar, like America needs a reset. The, the principles of our founding fathers do not align with us being the spoiled rich kid that is able to get whatever we want. We can do whatever we want with our currency and the global currency in order to just be comfortable and sit back and relax. America needs to be working. America needs to be fighting against tyranny. It's... And like you were saying earlier in the show, we are the last bastion 
of hope. If America goes down, get ready for a thousand years of darkness. Socialism is going to be the way of the entire world. So I'm going to leave it on that positive note. <laughs> <laughs> like the legend of the phoenix. All ends with beginnings. What keeps the planet spinning? Ah, uh, the force from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs>